And the, um, as we continue to uh, walk through this series with this ancient map of faith that's been given to us, this hand-drawn map that's been passed on from generation to generation in the church, today we are coming near the end of the creed and we're looking at this little, one little phrase, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And to do that, um, I find myself just somewhat daunted because forgiveness is such a gigantic topic. And um, it's very difficult to, uh, to talk about forgiveness on a kind of a just conceptual level. And so I find often when Jesus comes to a topic that's really difficult to talk about or to, to nail at a conceptual level, he'll tell a story, um, a parable. And he'll say, the kingdom of God is like this. And he does it to awaken our imaginations, to wonder, how might God want to work this out in me, around me, through me? And so uh, I want to start this morning by uh, telling you a parable. The kingdom of God is like this. There was a certain girl named Amy. Amy was by all counts a good girl. She was on the volleyball team. She did well in school. Uh, She had a fairly good relationship with her parents, as good as it can be for a 15-year-old girl. And she was well-liked. She had plenty of friends. As she entered into high school, Amy uh, started to go through some changes. And her parents started to notice some of these changes. They looked like her quitting the volleyball team, her going uh, to parties on weekends, hanging out with a lot of different friends, friends that she hadn't been hanging out with before. And when her parents started to ask her some questions about what, what are these changes going on in your life, Amy got really defensive, saying, It's my life. I can do what I want. Why are you intruding? Well, as time went on, the good student started to find that her grades were slipping. And after a while, her mother started to notice money missing from her purse. When her mother confronted her about the missing money, Amy again became hostile, even, even violent in her speech toward her mother, What are you asking me about the money in your purse? From the looks of things, you probably spent it on too many milkshakes. And when her father stepped into this, she said to her father, maybe if you would have went to college and gotten good grades, we wouldn't have money problems anyway. And Amy eventually moved out of her house. And she dropped out of school. See, when Amy was 15, she became addicted to heroin. And she burned through all of her friends and all of her family who weren't a part of the heroin circle. And by her 16th birthday, Amy found herself estranged from her family, estranged from her school, and estranged from her friends. Estrangement is the word the Apostle Paul uses to describe the relationship between humanity and God in the opening section of his letter to the Colossian church. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to that section. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. If you have a blue Bible, it's on page 1815. And if you have a brown Bible, then it's on pages 1143 
or on page 1143. And if you have your own Bible, Colossians is near the back after the Gospels and a little bit before Revelation. This is uh, what the Apostle Paul says about God and about humanity. He, speaking of Christ, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were estranged from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, because this is the gospel that you've heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven in which I, Paul, have become a servant. You may notice that I substituted in verse 21 the word estrangement. If you read in the NIV, you probably saw it said alienated. And alienated is a fine word, but it doesn't get at the heart of what this Greek word that Paul uses here. Estrangement is a better word. Because estrangement means that a relationship that was once good and full has grown sour and shallow. Someone you love has become a stranger to you. Estrangement grows up in that space between us. That space that uh, is filled with the soil of, of unforgiveness. And the seed of estrangement is hurt. Something Something that's happened to be, that's hurt. And it gets planted into the soil of unforgiveness. And what grows up is estrangement. It, it looks like a wall when it grows. And we can see this all over us and, and all around us, right? It doesn't take much effort to look around and, and to find estrangement, right? You watch Jerry or Maury or Dr. Phil, and they make their money on stories of estrangement. Some of our most popular TV shows, whether it be Desperate Housewives or two and a half men make their money on stories of estrangement. But you don't have to look in our, to, to watch TV for it, right? You can see it all over Grand Valley. You see the boy and the girl who last week were walking in front of Cook DeWitt, just kind of holding hands and staring at each other's eyes and just kind of skipping <laughs> as they go, right? And then this week, they're blasting each other on Facebook, or going to the so far extreme as to going through the million clicks that you have to do to actually unfriend someone. They're cutting it off. They've become estranged. 
right? On a more heavy note, that looks a lot more painful when a parent walks out the door. Looks a lot more painful when one of your siblings won't speak to you. We live with estrangement. It's all over us. But isn't it true that deep down inside of us, when we're lying in bed at night and we're thinking about the things in our lives that we usually push off until the end, and we say, God, life shouldn't work this way. This isn't how things are supposed to be. And you know that little voice is right? It's not how it's supposed to be. Parents shouldn't be estranged from their children. Siblings shouldn't be estranged from one another. Life shouldn't work like this. But it does. It does work that way all the time. From the time that Adam and Eve became estranged from God in the garden, hurt, unforgiveness, and estrangement have been a mark of human relationships. But it doesn't have to work that way. No, according to the Apostle Paul, life can work differently. Once you were estranged from God, enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now God has reconciled you by Christ's body through death to present you holy without blemish, and free from accusation. How does that work? How is it that Christ's death makes everything better? It would seem like the opposite's true. Here again the parable. The kingdom of God is like this. After Amy had dropped out and moved out, Her parents knew that they had only two options, really, at least as far as they could see. They could let her go and just wash their hands of a daughter who had abandoned them. Or they could go after her, which is what they did. And when her father arrived with the agents from the recovery center, Amy went irate, almost demonic. She cursed her father. She hit him. She tried to bite him. But as they bound her and started to move her toward the van, Amy changed tactics. Daddy, don't let him take me away. Daddy, please, I'll be good. Don't let him take me away. And all her father could say as the door was being shut was, Amy, I love you. And as the van drove away, her father noticed that there was blood running down his head and on his arms from the the blows landed by a daughter he loved. But that was just the beginning. After she was detoxed, the hard work began. The work of healing, the estrangement between them. The work of her parents coming week after week only to be cursed, sometimes never even met. The work of forgiveness and reconciliation is uh, often very painful. 
Quite often the only way to peace between estranged people is through tears and through blood and through death. The greater the estrangement, the greater the cost. But of course Amy didn't see it that way. All she could see were parents intruding on her life, trying to control what she did, take away her freedom. And she hated them for that. But she just couldn't keep them away. They just kept coming back. One day, something of an epiphany happened for Amy. The thought came to her, Maybe my parents love me. Maybe after all that's happened, they still love me. And she decided to try an experiment. The next time her parents came, she would try being their daughter again. And so she waited for them at the door on her next arrival on their next scheduled visit, and uh, as soon as her parents got there, they could see that something was different. The scowl that had taken up residence on her face had softened. The rage that was in her eyes had changed. And when they walked up to her as she stood there, her head down, kind of stammering at the floor a bit, the way people do when they need to say something, but can't quite get it out. And then all at once, she, uh, she chokes out the words. I'm sorry. And to her surprise, her parents flung their arms around her. And through the sobs and the tears of joy, Amy could only make out one phrase. We love you, Amy. We love you. Forgiveness changes everything. Because in forgiveness, both parties die. It's the only way forgiveness works. The offended must die to their rights. The offender must die to their pride. But in Christ, this death can lead to resurrection. It's not simply a repairing of something that was broken. It's a remaking of life so that it works differently now. That's what Paul means when he says, once you were estranged, once you were hostile, once you were an enemy, but now you've been reconciled. Now you are holy, without blemish, free from accusation. Because through Christ, God has reconciled the world to himself, bringing peace through his blood shed on the cross. And that work of reconciliation by Christ is world-changing. It reorients the dynamics of our relationships with God and each other. In his letter, the Apostle Paul says that, in effect, estrangement between God and his children forced God with a decision. 
either he will just let us go or he's going to chase us down. And so, God makes the unbelievable decision that Paul quotes uh, in verse 15 through 20. He quotes a song of the ancient church. He says in verse 15 that Christ, who is the firstborn over all creation, in verse 16, that Christ for whom and by whom all things were created, Verse 17, that Christ who is before all things and in whom all things hold together. Verse 18, Christ who is the firstborn and supreme ruler of all the new creation. And verse 19, Christ in whom all the vitality and potency of God dwelt in a human being, Christ had blood running down his head and coming out of his arms. in order to heal the estrangement between us. For us who are in Jesus Christ, God is all of these things. He is creator and sustainer and ruler and the power. But the way that we know God most intimately and most profoundly is as a father who will go to the utmost extreme to heal the estrangement that exists between he and his children. In the church, we are a community of the forgiven, the children of reconciliation. And to a world that is deeply estranged, we say, in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself. What are things on earth or things in heaven? I mean, where else do you go to hear something like this? Where else can we find hostility met with peace and despair met with hope? Where can a person go to find forgiveness as a lifestyle? This is just part of who we are. Here in this community, among the children of reconciliation, we know something that the entire world longs to hear. Once we were estranged, hostile, and enemies. But now, God has reconciled us by Christ's body to present us holy, without blemish, and free from accusation. It may very well be that you need to experience the power that forgiveness can bring, the healing that forgiveness can bring into your life with God or your life with God. Uh, someone else, someone that you love, who's become a stranger. We are gathered here this morning in the presence of God. God is here. Will you approach him so that you might be healed? I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Um, And in that that space, as as we... speak to God, I invite you to speak out to God as well, maybe to things that you need to be healed of. Brokenness in your heart, estrangement that's, that's grown up, that needs to be healed. And I invite you to offer that up to God. And it may be that that estrangement is between you and God or between you and another person. All things being reconciled by Jesus Christ. Offer it to God in this space now. 
And uh, after that, uh, we will start to sing out this hope that we have in the forgiveness of sins between us and God and between us and each other. Let's pray together. Lord, you know the estrangement that exists in our lives. God, there are those here this morning who are feeling deeply estranged from you and who come here, um, some out of habit, others because they're just hoping for some acceptance from you. I pray that they could experience your embrace this morning. That you would speak those words, I love you, to them. And that they could receive it. For others, God, the uh, reality of life, and uh, especially as we start to size up holidays and, um, and the things that come with that and the estrangement that exists in our own families, in our own friendships. In most of the cases, God, we are both offender and offended. I pray that you would work a miracle in our lives. That we might experience the power of forgiveness. Something that only you can do. Would you stretch out your hand to heal the estrangement that exists in us? And to bear testimony of the truth that we read this morning, that in Christ you are reconciling all things to yourself. Lord, as we continue now to sing our prayers, we pray that you would continue to minister to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Minister to us by both giving us your forgiveness and giving us compassion to forgive those who have hurt us. We are here for you, God. We pray that you would too be here with us. This we ask in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.